Let's come back and sing together this morning. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, with streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I found in the desert place, the walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, those pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. And blessed be the name of the Lord. And blessed be your glorious name. Because of that, we know that we can we can live 
in hope that he has given us and that we should live not in sin, not in the things we used to do, but we should push forward and seek Christ um, in everything that we do. So let us pray together, and then we'll continue to sing. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for another wonderful day. God, I thank you for visitors, Father. I thank you for people that have been here on uh, Sunday to Sunday. God, I pray, Lord, as we worship this morning, we would take and be revived by your word and by worship, Father. And, Lord, we would just take what we learned here, Lord, and we would take it outside of the church. Lord, that we would talk to our friends about it, our families about it, our coworkers about it, and our fellow students. Um, Father, just be with us and help us to continue to worship um, your great name. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. And it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. give life you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath. the earth will shout your praise this morning all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing the grave are you Lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing the grave. Are you Lord? It's your breath in our lungs. So we
said in Hebrews that in Christ alone we have this salvation and this hope that we have so as we sing we'll, our last song before our um, offering will be in Christ alone this morning in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still and striving seas my comforter by all in all, here in the power of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorn for the ones he came to save. Till on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the power of Christ I live. In Christ alone who took on flesh, in the ground his body lay the darkness darkness and bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man could ever take me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand and here in the power of Christ, I stand. Let us pray.
God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you again. Father, we just thank you for who you are, and we thank you for just the ability to worship you. Lord, as um, we take this offering this morning, just I pray that we would be able to give you our all. Um, help us to give back to what you've given us. And Father, Lord, be with James as he preaches. Well, good morning, everybody, again. Um, excited about being here. And um, as Troy was singing this, uh, the second song, I'm not too sure what the name of it was uh, off the top of my head right now. Um, but part of the song was talking about joining in uh, with everyone singing and praising. And as I hear that, I think about this morning, um, there may be about 30 of us sitting here together and praising God together, but think about so many more uh, in our community or our state or just this world and then just everything that God has created just praising his name this morning and so we join in with uh, people all the way all the way around the world but also heavenly beings in the earth and all of creation worshiping God this morning um, excited about being here hope uh, glad to see some faces I, I haven't got to meet and glad to meet some of you and uh, just excited about uh, just able to preach God's word this morning as we continue through Colossians. Uh, if you see on the screen Colossians 3, 1 through 8, if you would turn with me there, uh, that's where we're going to be going. Um, and if you're new or if you haven't been in a while, whatever the case may be, uh, we're preaching through Colossians right now. Uh, we're starting in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to go into the last verse of Colossians. And each Sunday we preach through the next uh, section of scripture coming up and that's what's brought us to Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 um, but before we get into it I just wanted to recap from last week's uh, because if you look with me in verse 1 of chapter 3 it says so if you have been raised with Christ uh, he's continuing this thought that he's been he's been talking about since chapter two, and we talked about it last week in verse sixteen. He says, "Therefore, don't let anyone." I mean, verse twenty. If you have died with Christ to the elements of this world, he's continuing this thought, and so I wanted to talk about last week's for just one second. Uh, last week, really, the premise of the message was that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Uh, it's not grace plus works. It's not salvation in Christ Jesus, and then you have to earn it by living a certain way, but rather you live a certain way because Christ has saved you. And so he's continuing this thought this morning, and he's, he's going to say in a second, he says, therefore, since you have uh, raised with Christ, seek the things above. And so we're going to get into all of that. But I just wanted to recap and just simply say this morning that we're saved by faith in Christ alone, not by any works or anything we do, and then we change our lives because God has saved us. Um, but before I read the text, I want to pray for us, and then we'll read it, and then we'll talk about it for a minute. Dear Heavenly Father, I just love you so much, Father. And I just, as I stand here, God, I thank you for the opportunity uh, for salvation. God, I thank you for saving me, and for those here that are saved, God, I thank you for that as well. And I just pray right now, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, God, I pray they come to know you. Also, God, I pray right now as we're going to open up your word and we're going to see some, some hard things of what we should be doing and then some things of, uh, it's, it's hard to swallow on things we should not be doing, God. I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds now for what it is you have for us. 
And God, that you don't allow us to lie to ourselves or allow pride or arrogance or denial to dwell up in our hearts and our minds this morning, God. But we look at ourselves in such a way that, God, you would be glorified and you can change and create us to be new creatures in you. We love you, we praise you, and we glorify you with all that we are this morning. And we just thank you for the blood of Christ and in him alone we have salvation. In Jesus' perfect and holy name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read all of it, and then we're going to look at different parts of it. It says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you are once walked in these things when you were living in them, but you put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouths. So this morning, as I read all that, when you look at verses five through eight, he addresses his, he, he addressed some heavy things, uh, sexual morality and all of these things that come thereafter in his list there. And, and there's some heavy things. And what I love about preaching God's word the way that I do through books is you have to address these things when they come up. So you can't run away. You can't shy from them. So what we're going to first and foremost look is what God is calling us to do what He's calling us to do and how we ought to do it, and then we're going to look at what the outcome is. And it's just like last week's, it's very similar, is that when we come to Christ in salvation and we seek the things above and we set our minds on the things above, and then the sin will leave our lives. We don't correct ourselves and then come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and then He corrects us. So this morning as we jump into it, I just wanted to read this brief sentence. It says, If we have died in Christ, we are to seek and set our minds on things above. Doing, in doing so, we put away our earthly nature by trusting in Jesus. And that's just a sentence of these four things we see up here. That we seek the things above, we set our minds on the things above, we put away the sin in our lives, and then we trust in Jesus to do it for us. So this morning, as we look into all of it, I want to start in verses 1 and 2, then we'll look at 3 and 4, and then 5 and 8. Verses 1 and 2, I'm going to read it again. It says, So if you have been raised with Christ, set your things above, which is Christ seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. First thing he says, he says, So if you have been raised with Christ... This is this concept that we've looked at since Jamie preached uh, two weeks ago in chapter 2. It's this idea that when we come to Christ, what we do is we die to ourselves. We die to our sins. We die to the human nature. And, and this is represented in baptism, right? That when we, when we were baptized, this representation that when we were dunked in the water, the old man is dying and being put in the tomb. And then when we pull the individual out of the water, they are resurrected with Christ Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to be plain and clear and simple that when Paul is talking here to this church, he is talking to believers. So if you're listening to me, and if you have died to yourself and been raised with Christ, if you've come to Christ in salvation and trust in Him and not the works and not all these other things, but you trust in salvation through Christ alone, then I'm talking to you. 
I am talking to you this morning because that is who Paul is talking to. He goes on, he says, Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, then now what you're called to do is seek the things above. Now I'm going to give you this little secret. On this idea of seeking the things above, or this idea of things above, there's not anyone that I have found in, in all the commentaries and things I've read in preparation that really defines this perfectly. And so this morning, I don't, I'm going to give you some things that come to my mind when we look at seeking the things above, but this isn't an exhaustive list. There, there could be other things that we seek in, that are above. But the three that come to my mind are really the most three simple and basic things that Christ has called us to do. That is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love each other as Christ loves them and to make disciples. And when we look at this, it's this, com this common concept that we read in Scripture. It's this common concept that comes up in preaching. It's because in Jesus' teaching, what was going on is that He, he, would, he was talking to these Pharisees and uh, Mark 12, 30-31, and this guy comes to him and he says, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You know, he, and then he, he says, you know, I've kept the law, I've kept the commandments. Um, and Jesus says, you know, the most important of them all is to love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we seek the things above, the first thing we're called to seek is to love God with everything that we are. It's to love God with all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the first thing that we are to seek is to love Him with all. And if you're here and you've come to Christ in salvation, then you are able to do this because He is living in you. He dwells within you. And now you can love Him with all that you are. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do, though, because there's so many things pulling at who we are as humans. And we're actually going to look at a list of them in a little bit that pull at us, that try to pull us away from our love for the Lord. And then Jesus, he says, you know, that's the greatest commandment, but the, the second greatest commandment of all is to love your neighbors as yourself. You know, that's a hard thing to do if we're going to be completely honest. It's hard to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, because I don't know about you all, but I love myself a lot. You can look at me until, until I take care of myself physically, as in I eat a lot and I do this. You take care of yourself. You love yourself in such an amazing way. And what Jesus is saying is that you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we talked about Wednesday night, one of the biggest ways that you love your neighbor is the third thing we're going to talk about, and that is to make disciples. You know, Jamie made this point, and I've said it time and time again before, but what kind of love is it if we don't share the gospel with our neighbor? If we don't really share the gospel and make disciples and tell people about Jesus and then teach them how to follow after Him, is that really love? You know, you know uh, Jesus was talking, He says that, you know, you, you, you've addressed it, you've, you've, you've addressed these issues, but you haven't really met the first need. So this morning, what we see most importantly is that we've got to love God and love people, but we're also called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is plain and clear at that. You're called to share the gospel and teach people how to follow after Jesus. And the reason why I started off with the fact that he's talking to believers is this is something we're all called to do. It's not something just the pastor or the youth pastor or the music pastor or whoever is called to do. All believers are called to do these three things. So that is what it, in my definition, what it means to seek the things above. Now, there's probably more things that we could address, but that's the ones I, I felt the need to address this morning. The next thing is to set your minds on things above. 
He says in verse 2, he says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He's about to define the earthly things. But really, when we think about these earthly things, it could be anything. It could be our work, our jobs, our family. It could be our friends. It could be all these sinful acts. It could be the, the traditions of the world, as he talked about last week. But to me, to set your minds on things above is really simple. It's the first and foremost is to trust in Christ for salvation. Trust in Him. Set your mind on Christ, on Jesus. And then secondly, is to read God's Word. Set your mind on things above. To read God's Word is to set your mind on godly things, on the words of God, the words that He has to say to us. See, in the, in the beginning of the New Testament, in Jesus' ministry, He walked around with the disciples. He told them face to face a lot of times the, the sin in their lives, the hard times in their life. He encouraged them. He did all of that face to face. But we don't have that same joy, right? We don't have Jesus. And it's probably a good thing sometimes because as Jesus said himself, he says, for I'm going and I'm going to send someone greater than I, which is the Holy Spirit. But what we do have is God's word is how he talks to us. It's how he communicates with us. The second thing is that we should set our minds in praying to God. This is how we address God, how we talk to Him, how we thank Him, how we praise Him, how we glorify Him, how we ask for strength, how we are encouraged. We do all of this through prayer. And this morning, I just want to be completely open and honest with you. Out of the things that I've named, and we're going to look at two more, prayer is the hardest for me as an individual. You know, one time reading was, because I used to hate reading in general, uh, but as, as I went to school and I had to read or I would fail, uh, reading in general, it came more natural to me. And in doing so, reading God's Word did. But prayer to me is that thing that I find so hard sometimes. Because I'll always listen to music or a podcast or watching a TV show or doing something. And so hard for me to break down and just pray to God. But this morning, that must be a necessity in our lives. And when we're setting our minds on things above, we should set our minds on prayer. And I wanted to break this down for you um, younger generations. Uh, and so nowadays, people don't call. Have you ever experienced that? He's, he's laughing now. He's thinking, I don't ever call my parents. I text them. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we don't call nowadays. We text. And if you have an iPhone, I don't know how Androids work, but on the iPhone, on the left side of the screen is the text that you receive from somebody. And the right side is what you send to the individual, right? Anybody follow me here? All right. And so if you don't text, you're probably not. And I'm sorry. But I was thinking about this, and this is just a simple thought, is reading God's Word is like that response that God sends to us. It's that phone call, it's Him talking to us, and our prayer is us talking back to Him. So they have to go hand in hand. We have to communicate with God. We have to set our minds on things above, and reading God's Word and praying to Him is a necessity. The next two are kind of go hand in hand in some way, but one way we set our minds on things above is we have to praise and worship God. Because he deserves it. Our, our job as individuals and our man's chief end, or the reason that we exist and we live on this earth, is to bring glory to God. So one aspect of our life that must be necessary is that we worship to God. And I'm not talking about just on a Sunday morning aspect. That is so important. But also as individuals in your day-to-day -day life to worship God. Worship God as a family. To praise Him as a family. To praise Him as individuals. And then the last one that we must set our minds on is to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I don't know how the world is for you all, but to me, sometimes it's very, very difficult. 
Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I need the encouragement of other men in Christ to encourage me and to help me and to guide me and to, to, to speak into my life. And that happens with gathering together with brothers and sisters. And it's got to be more than a Sunday morning aspect. It's got to be a relational thing that when you go through these lists that we're going to name and all these struggles and hard times and difficulties that plague each and every one of our lives, we should be able to call a brother or sister in Christ and ask them to pray for us and to encourage us and to help us in this moment. Because this is how God has created us. I know it's specifically talking about marriage. But think about when Adam and Eve was created. Adam was first by himself and God looked and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so what does he do? He created a wife. But also there's some struggles in this life that a man goes through that a man needs another man to help them with. And vice versa that a woman goes through and they need another woman to help them with. So we must seek out um, biblical fellowship. Why all of these things are necessary is Isaiah 55 verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. See, in all reality, these things we must put into place because our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not His ways. And so we're not bent to do these things. We're not naturally going to seek after trusting in God and reading God's Word and then praying and worshiping, gathering together. We're not going to naturally do these things. But what we are naturally going to do is the list that we're going to see in a second, which is sexual morality, lust, impurity, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language. That's what we naturally do as humans. So what we have to do is seek after God's ways and God's thoughts. And we do this by seeking the things above and setting our minds on things above. Then verses 3 and 4 He goes on to say, and this is just a very encouraging verse. He says, For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. He encourages, he says, Since you have died in Christ, since you've come to your death of yourself, and you now live in Christ, you are hidden in Christ in God. So what this means is that God sustains us, that Christ sustains us. Christ takes care of us. He provides for us. And this is what He's doing when we seek these things. He is providing and sustaining us. And then He gives us this last encouragement in verse 4. And He says at some point in your life, when you come to the end of your life, you're going to be with God in glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a glorious thing that we, we will never suffer again. We'll never have hardship and problems and difficulties. We always look at those things, and those things are wonderful. Especially when we see our friends or family members mourning or they're suffering in some way or another. When we see these things, it's good to look at what heaven will be like. But ultimately, what I want us to know is that our Creator, our Heavenly Father, our perfect and holy God, we will spend an eternity with in heaven. Therefore, this is such an encouraging thing. Then verses 5 through 8. I want to read 5 by itself. It says, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. I want to pause there. He says, put to death, and I want you to think of that as a very literal sense. That we're called to put to death these things. Because this is what happens when we come to Christ and salvation. When we look over in verse uh, 13 of chapter 2, he says, And you, when you were dead in your trespasses and make circumcision in your flesh, 
He made you alive and forgave us of all trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with obligations that was against and opposed and was taken away by the nailing it to the cross. We have literally put these things to death if we have come to Christ. It should be something that we no longer walk in. We never no longer live in. But we may deal with them, but we no longer walk in them. So what is he saying here? Let's look at the list. He says sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. And I'm going to read those three first and foremost because they're all talking about sexual things. They're talking about sexual sin. And so the first, two, the first one is sexual morality. And I just want to be point blank this morning. And what he's saying here is that when an individual has sexual relations outside of God's ordained way, which means if an individual has sex with someone that is not their husband or their wife, then therefore they are sinning. They are in sin in this lifestyle. Now, so often we want to think of sexual morality as the homosexuals and things like that, but it's all of it. A homosexual is in sexual morality. A, mo- a man sleeping with a woman that he's not married to is sexual immorality. And then impurity and lust, these are all things that group together in that. He's talking about these are our earthly nature. These are things that we are going to deal with. These are struggles in one's life that's they're naturally bent to these. Then he goes on, he says, evil desires and greed and idolatry. Evil desires is this idea, when you look back at the Greek, it's this idea of uh, covetousness, the desire of wanting something that's not your own. Now, most likely in this context, he's talking about another man's wife or another man's husband. But when you desire something that's not your own, and it's sin, that's what we see in the Ten Commandments, you should not covet your neighbor's wife. You know, this is a sin that when we covet something that's not our own, but then he talks about greed. He talks about having the greed, desiring more and more and more for the sake of having it. Then he says idolatry. See, idolatry is when we worship something that's not God. And so often when we think of that, what we think of is Buddhists or Hinduists or whoever it may be that literally bow down and worship a statue or they worship a a big golden man or whatever the case may be. A lot of times that's what we think of when we think of idolatry. But idolatry, in most lives when it occurs, idolatry is the sin of putting yourself above God. It's putting yourself in the place that God belongs. Idolatry is something that we all deal with in some form or fashion in our lives at some point or another. And when he addresses all of these things, what I want us to see in these different sins is that these are sins of our own body. These are sins that we commit in our own selves. The sexual remorse against our body, the greed, the, the covetousness, the idolatry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, says this. Flee sexual morality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the person who sexually more sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and who is in you, whom you have from God and you have not your own? For you are bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. So really what Paul is addressing in all of this is he's looking at all of these things in a sexual sense, but it's got to go deeper than that in our lives as well. And all of these things are sins against our own body. And then ultimately, our bodies are meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we're sinning against God regardless. Then verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, 
Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. The God's wrath and God's judgment is coming because of these sins in our life, and because of the next ones we're going to look at. God's wrath is coming because of all of this. But then it goes on, it says, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. He's talking to the, the ones that are saved. He says, you once walked in them. You no longer walk in them anymore. And you once did these. You once practiced this sexual morality, this lust, the impurity, the evil desire, the greed, the idolatry, the, the anger, the wrath. You once practiced these things when you walked in them. And what that should naturally seem to us is two things. One, we should remember where we've come from. When we look at lost people and we see that they're lost, you should understand where they're coming from because you once were there. And then secondly, you should understand that you no longer are to walk in them anymore. This idea of walking in sin is the issue. It's not stumbling or falling or tripping up in sin because we're not perfect. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But when we live in sin consistently, then that's an issue. Then in verse 8, it says, But you now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. We're going to look at these more next week as well, but ultimately what we see is this natural progression that anger takes. See, anger is this when we get mad, right? Anger is this, this small madness inside of us over a situation or a problem. It, may, it could be just about anything, especially if you're redheaded like myself. Anger is this thing that, that just comes up constantly in our lives. But when we don't check it, what it becomes is it becomes wrath. It becomes this deep anger in our life. And then when we have this deep anger in our life is when malice comes. Malice is this desire to harm someone else. It's to hurt someone else in a physical sense. But it doesn't always produce that way, right? Sometimes when we're wrathful and we're angry, then we, what we do is we end up slandering somebody. And you know all, you all know what happens. You all know you deal with this. You talk about somebody behind their back. You spread rumors. You talk about these issues, these problems. That's why most people leave the churches because people talk about them. This happens. People slander one another. And then this idea of filthy language um, you know, naturally, we probably think of cussing and things of that nature. And I would say that that is something we should stray from and we should go away from in God and Christ Jesus. But really what he's talking about here is an angry language, a talking down to somebody, to abusing them in a, in a uh, emotional way, talking down to them in words. This is this idea that we, we speak negative to someone. See, what we should do is we should put all of these things away too. And what this sin is, this is sin against others. This is sin when we sin against others in our life. But also, what we see in all of this, <coughs> sorry about that, is why do we remove these things? Why are we to remove the list in, chapter, in verse 5? And why do we remove the list in verse 8? Verse 1 says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, on the earthly things. We're called first and foremost to remove these things, to separate ourselves from these things, because Christ has saved us. He has changed us. He has created us a new heart. In Romans chapter 2, verse 2 says it this way, Do not be conformed to this age, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't live in this sin no longer. Don't practice these things, but put these things off. Don't conform to the world, but put yourself in Christ Jesus to seek the things above and to set your mind on these things. Trust in Jesus, and then these sins will go away. This morning, if you're here and you're in Christ, I want to implore you and I want to encourage you to set your minds and to seek the things above. To seek after God. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To seek uh, the trusting in God, reading God's Word, prayer, worship, gathering together. To seek after these things. And then put the sin away in your life. Put it away. And I said this earlier, and I want to go in depth in a minute. Is this doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be perfect. You're not going to be. You can't go, uh, you can't go a certain period of time without sinning. It's just not possible. But what this means is that you no longer live in this sin. You no longer walk in this sin. You no longer habitually sin anymore. You no longer practice these things consistently, but you trust in God to overcome them in your life. But if you're not seeking God or setting your minds on Him, then you're not going to be able to overcome these things. So if you're here and you're a believer and you follow after Christ, and maybe you've got that unconfessed sin in your life, and you've got that sin that you've been living in and walking in and just living there, I want to encourage you to put it off, to put it to death, as He says here. And then to seek after Him and set your minds on things above. You can't do it on your own. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not powerful enough to overcome these by yourself. But you should trust in Christ by seeking and setting your mind on Him. Then if you're here and you, maybe you don't know Jesus and you're just searching and you're just looking and you're just curious about it all, first and foremost, I want you to understand something very, very simple but very misunderstood today. You don't fix yourself before you come to Jesus. You don't quit sinning. You don't quit cussing. You don't quit getting drunk. You don't quit practicing all of these evil things and then come to Jesus. What you do is you come to Jesus and then He takes care of you. You accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You ask Him to forgive you of your sins. You repent and you turn to Jesus. And when you do so, then you seek after Him and you set your minds on things above naturally because He has saved you. And when you do so, He puts these sins away in your life. You don't correct yourself to come to Him. Jesus says, come as you are. So this morning, as Troy comes, and He's going to lead us in the last song, and then we'll have a time of reflection. It's really simple, is that if you're here and you believe in Jesus, and you're, as Paul was talking to, believers... And you have unrepented sin in your life and you're living in sin. I want to call you to repent of that sin and turn away. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't have that. I'm not living in that sin. I want to encourage you to look a little deeper. Look a little harder. Because most of the time, we all have something that we're holding on to at times. And we need to repent and turn away. Or if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to come to Him and you want to talk to somebody about it, talk to me about it, I'll be standing at the side. But ultimately, this morning, I pray that God moves in whatever way He has. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank You for all that You are. We thank You for the, 
the salvation that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. I thank you for the fact that many of us have died to ourselves and we've been raised in you. And because of that, God, I pray that we put this sin away in our life. We don't trust ourselves to do it. We don't depend upon ourselves to do these things. But we trust in you that we seek after you and we set our minds on you, God. And therefore, you can change and create us to be new creatures in you, Christ Jesus. This morning, I pray if you're speaking to someone about salvation or speaking to someone about repentance or whatever it could be, if there's something totally different and God is just on their heart, and I didn't say a thing about it, God. I pray that we respond how you desire this morning. I love you. I praise you. And I glorify you. And I thank you so much, God. In your son's perfect and holy name. Amen. I need Thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like Thine can peace afford. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee, most precious. Now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need thee every hour, stay close nearby, temptations lose their power when thou art nearby. I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour I need thee, most precious now my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee, and every hour I need thee, oh, precious now, my Savior, I come to thee. And amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved Oh, wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now 